Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Something Rotten. Uh, my name is Jacob Geller. I'm joined by Blake Hester, and I'm also joined by Game Informers Marcus Stewart. Uh, and we are going to talk about Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. This is our second game in our weird Ninja Theory devil feature of DMC and Hellblade. Did you call it a devil feature? Devil feature. That's right. That's good. Um, Nebula.tv slash something rotten. You can pay for this shit. <laughs> uh blake how how you feel after uh playing uh, two hours of this really fun and cheery game well jacob i feel like um i, I feel a sense of nostalgia for like kane and lynch 2 playing this believe it or not because it's yeah it might be the one of the coolest games we've ever played that's uh not fun to play <laughs> that know. is i i Man. absolutely agree every moment looking at this game just to set my thesis great every moment moving the character on the screen not great we will we will get into all of that and uh with the help of uh of marcus who uh thanks for coming on something rotten yeah thanks for having me it's fun to uh Chop it up with you guys about a game that i have uh thoughts about <laughs> uh, good and bad yeah so what is I guess before we start talking about your history on Hellblade, uh, this is our our weird kind of construction of previously we have done franchises we've done like Manhunt one then Manhunt two, and uh, I think Blake had the the uh, novel idea to be like what if we just did this bizarre two game suite that Ninja Theory made back to back the second being being Hellblade the first being DMC. You did an episode of uh, a podcast on, like, the history, development, everything about DMC, so I'm assuming you have some thoughts on that game? Yeah, we did video gameography back uh, last year with, uh, well, first with Ben Reeves and then with uh, John Carson. Yeah, we had a whole Devil May Cry season, and DMC, uh, you know, we broke down basically the whole history and also the plot of that game. And I guess my my thoughts of that mm-hmm. game is that I still think it's probably it's probably like top two Devil May Cry games Holy ever, shit. maybe top three. But like I love, the, I adore that game, and I'm a huge Devil May Cry fan in general. I love stylish action, and I remember, you know, like everyone when that game was announced, you're like, I don't know about this, this direction, this view, yeah. and I like Ninja Theory, but I don't know about this. And then the first time I'm playing it at a Comic-Con pre-release and being like, okay, I, they might be on to something here. This is pretty fun. And then buying it at launch and loving every bit of it to the point where there was a period of years where I argue that it might rival Devil May Cry 3 as the best Devil May Cry and was throwing mm-hmm. tomatoes at for that. But I was like, I don't know, guys. I mean, I love DMC3, but I... I think a case could be made here because this game does some cool things. <laughs> I had the same kind of like when I returned to it for this show and I was just looking at my Steam thing and it was like, wait, I played 50 hours of this <laughs> game and then I started playing it and I was like, oh yeah, that's why. Because this game feels unbelievably good. We we both, Jacob and I, replaying it, like this is my second time playing, like still very positive on the game, but second best Devil May Cry. So you're putting it over... Like DMC five, I think, yeah, yeah. I, wow. I, yeah. Oh man, I, I, you know, when DMC five came out, I had to like re rank them, of course, in my head, 
And I think DMC5 is great, but it's also got the V stuff, which I'm not too fond of. That is, like, enough of a, like, portion of that game to get in the way where I was kind of, like, dreading it at a certain point where DMC doesn't have any of that. You know, like, there's nothing that drags in that game for me. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think I'd still put it pretty confidently over five. Now, what are your thoughts on when uh, Nero shoots an unborn baby out of a woman's womb with a sniper rifle? <laughs> oh, ta- oh, oh, wait, we're talking about Virgil in DMC, right? Virgil, right. Virgil, sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a bad person. <laughs> it sounds like that's something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's something Blake, a bad you can guy. see bad with, things happen. You know, <laughs> sorry, I'm, pro- I'm, I'm, pro- I'm pro-choice, actually. It's totally, it's, yeah, you can't criticize <laughs> it was It was, you know, shocking. I think we just we made you go like, wow, Virgil, you lied to me this whole time. That's not what we, this wasn't the plan. But I mean, DMC has that amazing, like, Bill O'Reilly news fight. That is still, I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. one of oh, the best sure does. boss fights. Bob Barbas. Yes, one of the best boss fights in the entire franchise. It's just so creative. And also, I just love the um the the level design, like the world trying to kill you stuff, I thought was such a cool idea. Yeah. And it was executed so well. Like every like just seeing the world distort and just like how hostile it was. I was like, man, I, I would like to see this done in the, I guess, traditional games. Like, this is such a cool little twist. Yeah, kind of kind of an interesting connection there between that and some of the stuff that they're doing with Hellblade you know it's like those these two games feel incredibly different but it's like no you can there are points where you can see that they were like made by the same studio you know same people were involved I'm 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 ready to come out and say I think this version of Norse video game Norse mythology I think I actually like better than even like God of War which like I think that world is really cool but coming back into Hellblade I was like God, you know, Ninja Theory kind of masters at world design. This game immediately was hitting for me there, the same way DMC did. It's it's really so. Just before this, I was watching the uh, the old Game Informer video, like 188 rapid fire questions, because GI did a Ninja Theory, or they did like a Hellblade cover story, oh. and uh, and Reeves went over there, um, and they were asking them a bunch of questions, and there were. It's a very, I mean, those rapid fire things are always very funny. This one is like A plus. Um, they do ask one. They're like, "Hey, did you feel weird when you saw that God of War trailer with the camera angle and the setting?" Because I forgot that like this game was prior to God of War twenty eighteen, and it did the whole you know, third person shooter camera perspective Norse mythology thing, and so Hellblade was a little ahead of that. Also single take yeah there are some cuts to black but everything else is single take they they ask what's your biggest regret about dmc and uh to me the director said uh the announcement which i thought wow. was an interesting thing because it's like yeah that game was really good they probably i mean it's not their fault that uh, a million nerds lost their minds when they saw a different dante yeah <laughs> i mean at the end of the day a lot of that it was on capcom because it was like story of that game that capcom pushed them very hard to like you need to make this as different as possible like don't just do the thing right. that mm-hmm. we have done um so marcus did you play hellblade when it came out yeah i i was super looking forward to it i bought it launch beat it uh yeah i i mean i love ninja theory in general so they're one of those studios where i'm usually there day one for their stuff and were you i mean had you been keeping up one of the things that is interesting about this game is like there is so much behind the scenes stuff if you want it because like ninja theory did a whole you know almost blake and i talk about psych odyssey on the show all the time you know like 
there are hours and hours of behind-the-scenes Hellblade footage, which is slightly different because they were doing it pre-release as, you know, as kind of a marketing strategy. But, like, were you were you keeping up with all that? Were you kind of, like, familiar with everything that the game was going to be doing uh, before it came out? I didn't, I don't know, I didn't watch, like, all of the stuff that they did. I know I've seen some of it, especially, like, the motion capture stuff. Um, but I was following closely just from, like, a like an industry news thing of like, okay, here's what they're doing for. I know I read GI stuff and, you know, hands-on and whatever. So I, I definitely checked in on some stuff. And didn't they, um, in the game, isn't that all available there to watch? Like I, when I booted it up to replay, I saw there's like a, on the main well, menu. Well, they have, <laughs> they have a, like a 25 minute special feature that is like, specifically on mental health. You know, oh, okay. it's like, here's how our, but I don't think, because a lot of those dev diaries, like, one of the interesting things is they're like, here's what we're doing with combat. And then later, they're like, we actually decided to go in a different direction with combat. <laughs> <Which is> <laughs> kind <laughs> of interesting to see. So it's all still totally, you know, uh, available on their YouTube channel. Gotcha. But not all of it is in the game. Uh, Blake, when did you first play this game? When it came out. Um, I don't know. I don't... I remember being vaguely excited for it. I think the thing that interested me the most was the the voices talking to you mm-hmm. which interestingly going back to i remember the voices being like i remember there being way more voices playing it now it's like it feels like there's only like three at any given time talking to you and then every now and then one or two new ones will join in my head i was like oh there's like 12 people always in your ear do you think it's because it's the the first time it was so novel and almost overwhelming maybe and the second time yeah. you're kind of ready for because i had you're like, oh yeah, I remember these guys. Yeah, because yeah. I had the thing where um, I had actually forgotten that the game encourages you to play it with headphones. I just started it, and then when I started hearing it come through my soundbar, I was like, wait, wait, no, there's a better way to do this. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. and I yeah, rushed yeah. and grabbed my headphones. I was like, oh, that's right, this is the Hellblade. I'm, they're all different sizes yeah. of my ears. And- I, uh, I remember being pretty excited about that, and going back to it, it's kind of weird, the way that's not really hitting for me, but... um. I didn't super care for so I like I remember playing it and kind of being like this is cool it's I'm not having a good time with it which maybe is the point you know um but that's also how I feel this time like I went back to it yesterday to play the section and instantly loaded in that world I was like fuck this rules and then within <laughs> 20 minutes I was like I don't like playing this but man it's cool like this um, 5 minute boat ride is really doing it for me <laughs> oh that that part is awesome I love the commitment to just be like your ass is in this boat deal with it it's uh it's again eat your heart out god of war <laughs> so hellblade did it first yeah. and better it's yeah it's like going weird. back to it in a post god of war cuz you know it was a year before yeah I had the same thing of like wow like, I knew in my head, I think I probably thought about it when God of War 2018 came out. Of like, oh, there's some Hellblade in here. But, like, yeah, going back, I was really kind of gobsmacked. Of like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, they really did do all this <laughs> right before it. I totally forgot, too, that this game is in a single take. Which, like, God of War did not invent. There have been other games that have played around with that, like Dead Space 2 and some of the Batman yeah. stuff. But... I mean, God of War, they just yelled about it the most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, <laughs> it, it, when you think about it, a lot of Call of Duty games are kind of in one take. That's not true. Never mind. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think so. But, like, I forgot this game was in one take, and it does make the intimacy of this game's story, I think, work really well. God of War, I've always felt like the single take doesn't work for how grand a lot of it is. 
Like, it feels like that tight camera should cut occasionally in some of those bigger moments. Um, and this, I think the single take is like really, really effective. And I totally forgot that was a part of this game. Yeah. So, so I first played this, I, I had the experience with this game. Both of y'all played it at release. I kind of had a, like, I know this is important. I know I should play this. I'm never quite feeling like psyched up enough to, you know, in that same way where it's like, oh, I should watch this like very important documentary on animal cruelty but then i'm like i i'm never yeah. sitting down like what do i want to watch tonight this thing i you're like what's the mood that i have to be in to watch this <laughs> yes so i was always just kind of a little nervous about it and then i played it for the first time like at the beginning of last year just because it was that january no games were coming out i was like okay i should do this this time uh, and i i'm sure i will talk about this a lot uh i have made the uh unwise decision maybe to play the game in vr because they have a fully supported uh vr version of this game on pc um and it's really it's really interesting in some ways uh it i it is pretty nauseating <laughs> um and and also there is some stuff like in vr the game is not in one take I think because oh. they're trying to, like, help you out a little. Yeah, 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 And so it's, like, like in combat, it will, like, snap the camera around. I should say, it's not in first person. It's still a third person behind the shoulder camera. I'm still just controlling it with an Xbox controller. But it's, like, I can look around as the third person camera. So it's, it's a really interesting uh, combination of things. One of the big things I remember about this game is... In the lead up, they were talking a lot about like, we wanted to do this to make kind of a return to the double A space indie release, right. etc. And or, go yeah, like, like, do do an indie game, but at, you know, at not not a pixel art game, you right, know, like right, do right. a really high level of quality, but I, still independent. And like, you know, there are obviously places where the scale, the scope of this game is like, very, you know, the scope is way smaller than even like a DMC. But there are also some places like where the production, I forgot how fucking good looking this game was and actually like how much it is doing within that scope that is like mm -hmm. genuinely impressive. And the game's not old by any means, but like one of my big memories of it is like, oh yeah, that was their like weird attempt to do like a small game. And going back to it, I'm like, this feels like it's punching way above its weight class. I remember that being one of the more interesting things to read about pre-release was that, like, hearing them break down all the ways they were trying to save money and basically, like, be thrifty. Uh, like, how can we achieve this, like, AAA effect with, like, half the price, basically? I mean, even coming down to, like, casting uh, Melina Jurgens as the main character, we're like, well, she was already, you know, a stand-in. And was so good at it, they were like, "Why hire like a more expensive actress when she, this is this is kind of working already?" You know, we don't have we don't have budget information for uh, DMC or or for this, as far as I know. But we do have like staff size, and so it's like DMC had ninety people working on it. Uh, this game had thirteen. Wait, what was everyone else at Ninja Theory doing? Great question. I don't know. I mean, they have been like that studio does a lot of contract yeah. work. They worked on like Disney Infinity. They do other yeah. stuff. So I don't think that they laid off, you know, seventy people. Maybe they're working doing on this. that. What was that co-op multiplayer game they did? That's not around anymore. 
Oh, right. Fuck. What I was for, that called? I, pl- I played it and I forgot the name of it, but you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. They must have also just been doing a ton of support stuff, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, Disney. Yeah, Infinity. I mean, so okay. it's like it, if you're just looking at their their Wikipedia, you have DMC uh, in 2013, and then they have Fight Back, an iOS game, uh, Disney Infinity, Marvel Superheroes, which they weren't the lead, but they did, um, Disney Infinity 3.0, another kind of doing contract work, a game called Dext, which I've never heard of and doesn't even have a Wikipedia entry, and then Hellblade. So like. They were still doing other contract stuff, but uh, yeah, they really they really scaled down um, a lot of the really interesting stuff in those developer diaries is like how they are doing this so cheap. And so it's like, OK, they have this this unbelievably detailed capture of the main character in the game. There is only one character in the game like you don't see anyone else's face unless they are like a filmed video element and like you know they they just turned an office room into like a performance capture room they're using like ikea lights and like gopros strapped to the ceiling so yeah it is it is this really fascinating uh, just test for themselves of like how high can we get the visual fidelity uh, with a team of 13 people and, you know, like, not $100 million. Yeah, uh, Blake, did you play on Xbox by chance? No, I'm on PS5. Okay, that's where I played it, too, because I've played my original PS4 copy yeah. of it. Because um, I, I know uh, Xbox, that version got the big update that added, like, 60 FPS. Oh. And I think they upped the resolution, and it never came to PlayStation, because this was post- uh, the Microsoft acquisition. Yeah. And I actually tried to download that version, but for some reason it was having trouble downloading, like, asleep. So I would, like, download it and then turn it off and then come back and it was like, it would, like, not have downloaded, which I was like, that's weird. So I don't know what was going on there. So then I just was like, oh, I'll just download my PlayStation copy. But I, I was hoping to see, like, how much of a difference it makes. I turned on the 60 hertz mode. Yeah. That was in the original game. And that was like, uh, it was like one of the first games to showcase 60 FPS when like the PS4 Pro had come out. Right. But it was like kind of half baked because the resolution took a kind of a big hit too. So I remember just turning it off and playing at 30 just because I wanted, because, you know, the fidelity was so good in the game. It's like, I, I'll play at 30. Yeah. And it's like, even though there's combat, it's not like a, oh, I got to have my 60 FPS kind of game. It is interesting hearing you say that, Mark, because I didn't know there was that Xbox update. Uh, but because I was playing last night PS4 on PS5 version, mm-hmm. and there were moments where I was like, this is the best looking game ever made. Yeah, like I mean, running on the beach at the end, I was like, this is real. Like, I'm just watching actual footage of a person. This is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, their facial capture, that's something that's always stood out to me about Ninja Theory, like in all their games, mm-hmm. that their facial capture is insane. Like, I remember playing Heavenly Sword when when I first got my PS3 and just being like, oh, my God, that's just Andy Serkis. <laughs> like, this, yeah. is, this is the future. Look at this. <laughs> and then you played the end of the Enslaved, and you were like, wait, that's really just Andy Serkis. <laughs> they just filmed him with a camera. <laughs> we talked about this a little bit um, on one of the Devil May Cry episodes, but it's definitely, you know, comes back here again. And then I was catching up on some of the Project Mara stuff that Ninja Theory is supposedly oh, working right. on. I forgot about that. Uh, uh-huh. It's like, you know, I don't think... It's ignored, but I do think people forget in the overall conversation about Ninja Theory, 
like that they're kind of a secret tech powerhouse. Like every game they do just has something fucking wild there, like testing out or experimenting with. Yeah, I mean, we talked about with Heavenly Sword, like that was the first performance capture game you know like other games had done like motion capture but doing like the face the voice and the motion all at the same time is like a ninja theory thing and i mean i think you see with hellblade like them accomplishing triple a level some elements of triple a development at a much reduced scope which like You know, it's hard for me to sit here as someone who doesn't know anyone at Ninja Theory and hasn't asked anyone, but you have to imagine that implants some ideas in other developers. I know Ninja Theory has given a lot of, like, technical talks at GDCs or definitely Unreal events about their, like, pipeline with doing some of this stuff. And going back to this, I'm like, God, they are, they are, like... For all the faults they have in their games, they are some masters in other areas, which is just, like, making technically impressive games um so i guess we should should talk about like what this game is uh we, we've talked we've talked i mean i feel like it's kind of it is a game with a reputation you know it's a it's a big it's a big indie i feel like most people kind of have some idea yeah but uh hellblade uh, is you know very generally uh the the story of a a a woman in kind of norse area in the eighth century um uh with psychosis uh, attempting to do a sort of quest. Crucially, what we should point out, which I didn't know, Jacob, is her name is Sinua, not Sinua. Sinua. Okay. That threw me for a huge hey. loop yesterday when I heard that. Okay, you'll Sinua. just replace all the times I've said Sinua, right? Just go back and re-edit nope, those. You gotta oh, wear the, the, nope. the audio. <laughs> Unfortunately, Jacob, like Raymond and Devil May Cry, you gotta wear that one on your sleeve. <laughs> um... And, and yeah, I mean, it is this, like, you know, when a lot of what they talk about pre-release stuff, I think a lot of the reputation of this game is, like, it. it's a game that is uh, doing mental illness, you know, kind of, like, tackling ideas of mental health in, in kind of a more real way or, you know, like, a more aggressive way than most other games that you could think of you know like there there are lots of indie games that are kind of about depression and you know like mental health has been represented in games before but like this specific take uh this amount of effort you know like the the level of uh just the length that they've gone to try to capture like what would be going on uh seems to place this kind of head and shoulders above above other depictions of game mental health, at least in effort. And we can kind of talk about, like, how... If if we think it's working, if we think that it's effective. I think that, that will probably be a big talking point, is the effort versus the execution of some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Where, going back to it, I didn't feel like a lot of it was very effective. Mainly around the voices. 
Like I, I, I ultimately think so. For people listening that may not have played it, a big part of Hellblade is, you know, Senua has psychosis. She has effectively a lot of voices constantly speaking to her, and that is in the game. You are encouraged to wear headphones to try to mimic what that might feel like having them talk to you. Um, They will often, you know, uh, criticize Senua or try to, you know, make her scared of what she's doing, or they will encourage her, like the, the... the voices all seem to have distinct personalities, both like working against and working with Sinua. Yeah, and I mean, and you can kind of pick out, it's like, you got the narrator voice, Yeah, you've got like a couple people she knew in her life, and then like these kind of like the Furies, which yeah. are just like whispers, and then like a big evil voice are kind of like the the main characters. I also, I I, <laughs> I really love the moments where the voices will start talking to each other. I thought that yeah. was really cool. There was just like a moment where they had like a very quick conversation, <laughs> uh, like with themselves, uh, like separated from me. And I was like, this is rad. Uh, but one of the ways I think that actually falls short is it's it's very cool it's a neat execution it's an interesting idea we jacob sent me a video to watch about it that we should probably get into but like i think in terms of the actual game like it matters very little like it never cinema will talk to like one of the voices but it seems like it never goes far in exploring the at least in this first half the impact these voices have on her life it's a lot of the more visual hallucination stuff where they seem to be like directly affecting Sinua, and for a lot of this game it's just like oh well there's just four voices in my ear constantly that Sinua does not really acknowledge there's some uh i think they have a pretty big impact at least gameplay wise because you have to mm. rely on them a lot for puzzle right, solving yeah and, and like even combat because uh you know we'll get into it this game doesn't have a tutorial it doesn't have a hud it doesn't like they're like Figure it out, and a lot of it is yeah, listen to the voices to kind of give you cues about what to do or how to deal with something. Right. Um, I, I think that stuff's really cool, but that's, like, me interacting with the voices. I, I, mm. I wanted Sinua to, like, interact more. There's not even... You know what I'm saying? Like, it, uh, she, did, yeah. she doesn't seem to acknowledge it as much as you might think with the effort this they're putting into it in this game. Yeah, well, I mean, but that's a... It's an interesting question because, you know, like, I, I noted they they point out very clearly at the beginning of this game, you know, also, uh, Senua has gone through, uh, a, a number of right. great traumas. You know, she is, she is not simply a person who hears voices. She is also someone who like has had, you know, the people that she loved killed and like, you know, family members be abusive and whatever. Um, you know, and so in the beginning of the game, they say the trauma didn't yep. cause the voices, uh, but it made the voices change, which I think is, like, a very important note that they're hitting of, like, okay, she's not experiencing this exclusively as, like, you know, she didn't she didn't start hearing voices because she experienced trauma, but she was living with this before, and now it's, like, harder to deal with because of th- these horrible things that have happened to her. And so I do think that it might be a little... Uh, disingenuous to have her if she has been hearing these her whole sure, life yeah. i do think that we should assume that she like can make it through a day without you know if she was like constantly talking back or whatever i almost feel like it would be 
yeah. cornier, you know, or it wouldn't seem like she had been living with it for as long as she has been. Yeah, like she's she's used to it at this point. <laughs> it's just like it's it's almost background chatter at its at after a while, right? I think that's very fair, and like I, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about the gamification of psychosis in this, but like. Sinua narratively is not doing well with her mental health. You know what I'm saying? It's not like she has it on lock. Like basically 90% of this game are violent hallucinations she's having that it does feel a little Mm -hmm. weird that the implication might be the player should assume she has this part under control. Does that make sense? I don't know if I take under control. I think it's more like she's used to it, which is not the same thing. It's like, that's just, is just, my existence i mean you know yeah. she she hates it and you know she views it as a curse because obviously she doesn't they don't know what psychosis is so they think it's yeah. more supernatural yeah, yeah, yeah. related um and i think maybe part of that is <clears throat> it's like in addition to just living with it she also believes it's something that can be like she can get rid of it and that's kind of like one of the things like in her backstory she's like hey i need to get rid of this curse because i'm afraid it's going yeah, to spread yeah. to her lover the dillian so maybe that's a bit of it too. Of like, if, if this is a thing that I can erase entirely, so I don't have to acknowledge it either. Because uh, you know, yeah, and it's also like it's really interesting, and I I don't really have like an answer for this, but it's like the role of the player mm. is kind of acknowledged in this game in like a, a a really weird and interesting way, where there are like there are a couple scenes where she will like you know often. She is kind of, you can tell she's, like, being tormented by the voices that we are also hearing. But sometimes she will, like, turn around and, like, make eye contact with the camera and, like, talk to you, which I have to say, in VR is fucking crazy. (laughs) Because it's, like, it it is, like... Eye contact in VR feels so different than just, like, looking at someone look at a camera. Um, So those those scenes are wild. Um, But, like... You know, I I think there is this kind of meta-narrative aspect of, like, are you the person controlling her involved in this somehow? Like, are you you also a voice? Are you kind of her, like, real motivation? You know, it's, like, it's it's not entirely clear. And so I think that line between, like, what how the player interacts with the voices and how Senua interacts with the voices is, like, a little... Uh, blurry in a way that I I really like and I I think is a cool choice. Yeah, and that's where you get a lot of the uh, sort of the tech showcase of the facial capture because you'll see, you know, she doesn't have to say anything but just the sort of twitches in her face and, you know, her eyes darting all over the place. That's when you really get to look at it and go like, oh my god, this looks fantastic and like terrifying as well. (laughs) It's, yeah, they really, I mean, it's like, it, it is the the best effect in the game is just her face, you know, and they, they like really, they just spend so much time on it. And it really, you know, it's a very, it's a very loud performance. A lot of times, you know, like if you're watching behind the scenes, there are a lot of videos of the lead actress just kind of screaming in, in this like really trying way, but they do also, you know, have, give her a lot of subtle moments of just, like, little, little eye and mouth movements. It's worth also noting that Melina Jorgis is not a trained actress. Like, she works mm-hmm. at the studio. What was her job before? She was like... a video editor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was the video editor. She did, like, the trailers for yep. DMC. Like, that. 
<laughs> she did the thing that Ninja Theory regrets, that reveal trailer. <laughs> nah, I doubt she edited that. <laughs> yeah, so the story, like, the story, the story is that they just kind of had her as a placeholder, and then they were eventually like, well, you know, we'll find someone real to do this after we get, like, funding. And then they, like, kept using her, and she kept getting, like, more and more involved, and one day they were like, all right, you just want to do the thing? Um, and reportedly, she was like, I don't like acting. <laughs> all those twitches of fear were just her being like, I can't believe I have to do this. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like she was a video editor who secretly wanted to be an actress. She's like, I... I'm incredibly uncomfortable doing this. Like, I don't like other people watching me act, but, like, you know, she got the juice. And what a wild story, too, because, like, I I think there are certainly plenty of moments in this game you can tell she's not a professional actress. She's doing her best, and there are some truly great moments. Mm -hmm. But all that aside, what a... What a way to go from, like, I'm a video editor to I'm going to play one of the more traumatic roles in big-budget video yeah, like, games. The main character yeah. is, like, not even, like, oh, I'm an NPC or whatever. They just needed a, a stand. It's like, no, you're the protagonist. You're going to be on screen every second of this game. Doing this game as a Sunday Rotten game, part of me was like, I don't think that's a rotten game. Uh, playing the first couple hours of it last night, uh, this game's a fucking rotten game. Holy shit, I forgot how dark it was at all times. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I cannot imagine not being an actor and having to fit into that role and have to portray some of the just like, uh, what feels occasionally like trauma porn going on. Like, yeah. It, it's a level of commitment I think she had to bring that is, like, astounding. It's, it, you know, it's almost worrying. You know, I, I think in all the interviews, she seems very happy. I think she's, you know, happy at her place. It is one of those roles that I feel like, you know, when you're a trained actor, you kind of know how to put up the walls between, like, this is real, this is acting. And, like, one of the concerns with, like, using kid actors is, like, they don't know how to put up those walls. And so I just, you know, you watch those and you... You kind of worry being like, if, if you're not a professional at this or weren't before, and you were suddenly asked to just put yourself in this, in, in hell, you know, like, I I really, I really hope, and there's no reason to uh, assume that she hasn't been, but like, it is just a big, scary ask to be like, don't just do any acting, do this kind of acting. Yeah, like, you have to portray a mental illness on top of that and do it in a way that is convincing and, like, respectful, too. Like, yeah. it's, it'd, be, it'd be enough to just be like, oh, yeah, you're traumatized, you're you're sad, all that regu- kind of, like, I guess some would say regular trauma, but, like, it's, like, the added layer of, like, and you have psychosis, make sure you pull that off convincingly, please. And you're like, uh, what? I do wonder, uh, I don't know if we talked about this, Jacob, when we talked about uh, Come and See on the Call of Duty bonus episode, Sunday Run, mm-hmm. uh, Nebula.tv slash Sunday Run, uh, but the, there was a fear in the the director had a, a fear that the the young actor playing the lead would go insane yeah, uh-huh. would go insane playing that character with that level of trauma i do wonder what the separation or not there might be when you're in like a mocap studio and you're just having to like imagine it if that makes it worse like fear is in the mind's eye or whatever or if you're able to keep a distance yeah. that helps when doing some of that kind of performance i mean but it's like even even if they had like real sets she would still be acting against 
nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> she she would kind of have to be doing this by herself anyway. Um, I want to talk about, uh, I think, one of the most rotten aspects of this game, and I use that as a, a positive. The rot? Um, the rot, yeah. And specifically, <laughs> the... So, so, early on in this game, like, your first combat encounter, basically, you will eventually be kind of, like you'll you'll get what appears to be a game over like you'll be you'll be struck down in game uh and and it is this this long torturous death death scene where you see i i mean it, it's like this rot that starts from her arm kind of climbs up her body and like takes over her head and it it is just this incredibly graphic and horrible thing to watch um and then that is revealed to be uh, kind of a, a hallucination or a vision of the future from her. And then the game says, if you die enough times, this rot will reach your head. And it, it doesn't say it in this, you know, in as gamey terms, but it's like, we'll delete your save. You know, if you die enough times, then we yeah, will. It, it straight up says you have, uh, you will lose all progress. It, will you actually? Is that true? Which is not true uh, is it because i never, never i've never that. the first time i played it that never happened you know i died yeah. a few times but right but i think i mean i remember when this game came out like literally the day it came out i think like mark brown tweeted a picture of it just being like hey interesting thing this and people were like freaking out with it being kind of anti-player or whatever i think it is so fucking cool yeah. that a game will lie to you and yeah. say just just to kind of put because it's like you know what sucks is when you die in a game and it just like you feel like it doesn't matter and then you're just back and healthy and so to have this like added pressure of being like i really have to care about staying alive because it's gonna erase my save i think is such a neat idea oh, it puts the fear of god in you like i had forgotten that mechanic until i was replaying it last night and saw it pop up and i yeah. was like oh right and then all of that a lot of that fear came back, not as much because I was like, I'm not replaying this whole game again. But like, I was yeah, like, right. but you definitely during every combat encounter, you're like, okay, I'm on my game in a way that maybe I'm not in other stuff of like, I need to murder these guys and and just just show out basically. So what what does happen then if it doesn't? I I think it just never actually reaches your head. I think uh... I think you can just die any number of times in it you know because it doesn't it doesn't say like die 10 more times and this will happen it just gives gives this abstract concept so i think you're always able to reach the conclusion couple couple thoughts about that one playing this game on the deadline i saw that and i said oh i can change the combat difficulty easy <laughs> I, was, I was not dealing with that threat absolutely not i i'm too busy for that uh second it, uh, when that moment hit and the text fly, flashes on screen to kind of explain this to me, uh, my, my, my takeaway from that was they had a more uh, organic way to explain this to the players that play testers did not understand. And they ultimately just had to flash huge text on the screen because it feels... Yeah, because they don't... That's the only time that text is on the screen, right? It, yeah, it, it struck me as a moment that they just had too much trouble explaining to players, and they were their solution was just fucking spell it out in actual English for them. Yeah, like I said, in a game that has no HUD or any like heads up, any sort of thing. Yeah, yeah it's the, it's like oh, okay, this is. I wonder if they they should have just recorded <laughs> yeah. Druid, the like 
dude saying it, like screaming it. Being like, we'll delete your save. Run, Sanua, we'll delete your progress. (laughs) I think it's a little bit of a bummer they won't delete your progress. I mean, like, we've been praising Yoko Taro for 15 years for deleting people's saves. Like, that would be cool if they actually did that. This is the same year that Nier Automata came out, too, actually. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is. Though I think he did that in the Nier 1 as well. I think it started a little before that. Can I point out one more similarity to God of War 2018? Because now that I'm thinking about it, there's just a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, you have a head on strapped to your belt at all times. Yeah. <laughs> you sure do. Which, like, maybe is just a, a wider reference to Norse mythology. Because this game, like, if you really want to dig into it, like, it'll tell you a lot of fables of Norse mythology. And if you play God of War, you'd be like, hey, I know I know those characters. Yeah, back in the day, everyone was carrying heads around. They were like, you know, keychains. Yeah. You know, it was just, like, it was just what you did, if, man. I don't know if that's a wider thing there. We'll have to have Jill Grote <laughs> on to ask. But, like, <laughs> something she... I noticed is, like, oh, we also have a head strapped to our shoulder here. Now, you want to grab uh, Jill because she does this in her daily life, yeah. not because she <laughs> yeah. knows about Norse Jill always has a head. <laughs> not because she... Ha- secondary is that she has a degree in mythology i I really (laughs) think the the voice that tells the like norse fables basically sounds like mimir from god of war like it's like it's a really close it's like a a more manic yeah 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 uh the head on your belt dear listener we'll break this one down for you 42 minutes in is the head of your uh fiance you did not i i don't know if they called him fiance then they but say like, lover. Uh, yeah. yeah 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 well they they did never did get to get married because one of the voices told me that um but sinua wanted to marry dillian yeah he, and he's the, dead by the way he's oh, not he, talking he's like real dead. <laughs> he, he, though, he's super dead though, <laughs> though occasionally you do see the bag breathing which is kind of interesting and looks cool but um sinua is taking the head of dillian her lover trying to take him to helheim um to, to bring him I back guess, bring yeah him back to save his soul for, like i don't yeah. think it's to bring him back to life i think it's more to save oh, his right. soul from damnation. yeah so yeah like yeah. it's not gonna like revive him necessarily <laughs> yeah. yeah so there was there was a, essentially like an invasion of the northmen Right. Like, that's the thing. And and in one of I mean, in one of the most intense cutscenes thus far, which is saying something because they're all intense. Um, uh, but you 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 see Dillian kind of like flayed and strung up. You know, it is it is this like really graphic. It made me think of like like the the NBC Hannibal series or whatever, like that sort of death, which is also the reveal trailer. Yes, that's the scene. Which is we should we should mention this game gorgeous maybe still one of the best looking games ever made. The reveal trailer for this game going back to that is PS3 but ugly in a way that is truly unique. Well, I mean, but there's there's a really interesting reason for that actually, and they talk about it in the Ninja Theory thing. They say like, oh, it was internal, right? You know, they say internally we would always make these just to get like the vibe of the game for you know yeah. uh, Heavenly Blade or Heavenly Sword right. or whatever. And they said, well, this one we don't have a publisher, so why don't we just show you? Because that normally we would show the publisher, and so that was made before they like did yeah. anything on the game really it was just like their pitch it is still funny going back to though playing the game and then looking at this and it has like the gears of war shine to everything where everything looks like it just has windex on yeah it. it's like a pre-rendered yeah. trailer that looks like shit <laughs> yeah. compared to the game yeah. it's really cool 
I mean, it's pretty nice compared. Usually, it's the opposite, where like the game doesn't look as good as the trailer. I like I like to be pleasantly surprised in this case. <laughs> no, it is it is the opposite. Watchdogs. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 none of us, to my knowledge, can speak to a lot of can speak intimately or from experience to the mental health stuff in this game. Like, I think it's really interesting, and I, 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 you know, applaud them going for it. I think, like, I think there are criticisms about, like, using psychosis as, like, a gameplay conceit or a narrative conceit that's, like, I, it's not my place to say whether that's right or wrong. I, I understand it. I also think it's, like, well, can we just not tackle it then? But all that is to say, I really like the swings for the fences in this. I do think playing this game is a slog in a way that like really impacts how much I'm enjoying it. I feel like it's almost, it's like two different kinds of slogs. You know, sometimes I'm like, this is exactly what they want me to be feeling. This is, you know, this is really hard to get through in a way they're trying to communicate. And sometimes it is, where is this goddamn rune I need to line (laughs) up so I can open a door? So I think, especially in the early parts of the game where um, you have to track down two gods before you can unlock the um, door that leads to the gate to Helheim. Um, the, the the first one that I went to, I don't know if you can choose them in any order. Is it the illusion one? Yes. The, it's a god of like illusion. I think the level design in that is actively bad. Like it is. Yeah. It is just, it's not impossible, but it takes way too long to figure out like just where to go and then when you do that finding your way back is sometimes a nightmare in some of these big open areas which are filled with trees and like broken like walls and everything it's dark and there's a bunch of shit in the air and to the point where i had to pull up a uh, youtube walkthrough and just literally one-to-one mimic what they were doing because i could kept getting lost it's it sucks that's interesting because i actually i think i had more of a problem with the when I first played it, this time I like mm. blew through everything. Oh, interesting! Like I played wow. all of it last night and got to yeah. where we needed to, like within two hours. And I was like, "Yeah." And that, yeah, the illusion stuff. I think I kind of figured out like the the sort of like the gimmick or what they want you to do quicker than I did the first time. I know the first time, one, it was the sort of adjusting to like what kind of game is this? Because like, I was like, "Is this a game where yeah. I need to be poking around corners to find collectibles or any of that stuff?" And you realize, like, okay, there's there's none of that. You're just go forward basically um so it let me focus on the puzzles easier and then it's like okay every stage has like one thing that you're supposed to do in this case you know look for the portals that sort of reveal the hidden or like the alternate paths and then like i just kind of beelined it to those portals and then you realize like oh yeah that's all you need to do is like beeline it there go through the path like there is some like thought to it but like by and large if you don't even if you just ignore all the other paths and go like this is here for a reason. I'm just going to go there and then look through it. And then you kind of just follow that. It's actually yeah. a little bit more linear than you think. And I, I like sped mm. through that part pretty effortlessly, actually. Yeah. I didn't really, I didn't have these problems with the, any other section in the game, but like this illusion section, like I really struggled with, it took me way longer than it probably should. I agree. I mean, this was, this was also the place that uh, had me feeling the most nauseated uh, while playing the VR version. Oh, I can't imagine how the, the rune solving stuff feels in vr like the because the oh, way the camera yeah. distorts that and you kind of like almost zoom interesting, in and, yeah know. where you're where you're looking at stuff but um you know i think uh i i think in their effort to make this a 
a triple a feeling game i i just think that like the padding is more obvious in this game than in other things and i i feel like there are a lot of mechanics that if used once or twice would be like really interesting yeah and instead they're just kind of beaten into the ground because i mean so so this this video that i sent blake that i'm sure we'll refer back to a couple more times is by the the youtuber leonardo de uh and it's about um it's called like hellblade and living with psychosis in which he talks about how he also like has has this and has experienced it for for his whole can life I, and uh can we point out a weird yes. thing in this video that he says that just like completely shocked me mm-hmm. is the 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 person who made this video like it's a beautiful bit video very well written uh says other than therapist has never admitted this to anyone including his wife who he was like she doesn't watch my videos so i guess it she'll never know it's like Wait, a that, remarkable that he has psychosis yes what yeah and i i'm not pointing this out to be like how fucking weird like it's it's a remarkably open and honest video to the point where they're like yeah my I, it's girlfriend or wife i don't remember um she doesn't watch my videos so even she doesn't know i won't tell her this and she like she, she'll it's 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 a wild video yeah you know the videos the videos like five years old at this point so hey maybe maybe sense but yes it is it is a remarkably open and vulnerable video and one of the things that he says is this and they they say this in the developer documentary as well when they're talking to kind of experts on this like there is there is this aspect of pattern seeking of of feeling that like you need to exactly make things make sense and draw connections between seemingly random objects in order to feel like you can progress and i do think that this is an interesting way of depicting that but when you're doing it for like the eighth time it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like a an interesting depiction anymore it just feels like you have turned this into a gameplay mechanic in a way that yeah that feels like it lessens the effect of like if if they had just done it a couple times it feels like they always do they do it one time too many for each section where you just kind of do it like okay i've had my fill and then you have one more and it's like the biggest most elaborate version of it and you're like okay yeah it starts to feel a little bit like busy work after a while for for almost every complaint that we're saying Someone could say in response, not inaccurately, hey, you know what? <laughs> Living with psychosis ain't a fucking walk in the park, you know? Like, you don't get to do only the amount of puzzles that you want to. And so I acknowledge that, but, you know, as as players playing it. Did you guys uh, feel, um, maybe back when the game launched, did you guys feel surprised or maybe even slighted at all at how much puzzle solving and walking around? Because I feel like this game, when it came out, People were expecting more of like a straightforward action games. That's what Ninja Theory was known for, especially coming off of Devil May Cry. It's called Hellblade. And I think a lot yeah. of the trailers even showed more of the combat and story stuff and not necessarily the moment moment. Like you're going to be walking around down largely linear paths for long periods and doing these weird sort of like perspective puzzles. And then you fight, you know, you get an arena every now and then. But I, I, I remember kind of expecting that when I played it, but also still being a little like... Oh wow, there's not still not as much combat as I thought there was. Or and then the combat that is there, you know, we can talk about it, I guess, in a bit, but like it's it's can sometimes fall into the trap of the puzzles of going on maybe a little longer than it needs to and gets repetitive. Yeah. 
But yeah, did yeah. you guys want more action? I guess is the question I'm asking. Or were you surprised no. that there wasn't as much of it? I think I, I vaguely do remember being surprised. I don't think I ever really cared. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't know. A, a lot of times when I'm playing a game, whether I'm liking it or not, like I'm just like, hey, this is this the this is what it is, and I'll just accept it. You know, and I'll have my thoughts here or there. But like, no, I, I think like. I more was just kind of like open to the idea of whatever they were throwing at me, just like going along for the ride. I don't necessarily think it's balanced very well in terms of like there are too many of those like seek and find puzzles out there and the combat is not super good. But it's like I don't think I I wanted or even felt like it should have been more of a hack and slash type game. Does that make sense? No, I mean, I... I assumed that it was going to be more of a walking simulator. I thought I thought there were going to be a lot more sections where you were just kind of pushing the stick forward while narrative happened. Whereas it really, there are some sections like that, but like the puzzles are more video gamey yeah. puzzles than I expected. I mean, we were talking about, uh, you know, like uh, Edith Finch before this podcast started, which has mechanics but it's primarily a game where you push forward and things happen, you know, and I kind of I kind of thought it would be more similar to that. I think maybe this game would be a bit better if it was more of a walking simulator because all the moments where it's just like, hey, you're at point A, go to point B and we're just going to talk to you for five minutes are all some the stronger parts of the game, honestly. I will say that I do I did enjoy the combat more this time than I did last mm. time. I remember thinking the combat was like fine last time <laughs> like yeah and i've i was acting i think it's something about like because it's got a big focus on parrying it's very intimate like you know we keep making a god of war 2018 comparisons but it is you know it's even tighter than than that in terms of the number yep. of enemies they throw at you but i think having played so many other games that focus on parrying especially like in a post Sekiro world like kind of going back to like oh i i think i have like a bigger appreciation for like i just like having dudes come at me and then just hitting a, a button at the right time because that pairing in a game feels satisfying and there's um like i think the combat's like weakest traits is that i don't think the enemy variety is super great and you're kind of fighting the same dudes with the same strategies over and, over, and they drag on longer than yeah. they need to sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. But, but like I thought the boss fights were super fun. Like I thought the bird guy was like actively <laughs> yeah. really good. <laughs> I think I I think the combat's yeah. really cool. Like it's a little disappointing I think in execution. Like there are, like the enemy variety is definitely one thing. It's just like I kind of like it doesn't need to be a combo stylish action game, but I do wish it was a little deeper. Like I often feel like I'm just parrying and then just like button mashing my way through it. The once they introduce the R2 mechanic where you can kind of like slow time down, uh, that is very fun and weighty and feels very satisfying. But like I wish it was a little more engaging. On the other hand, Hellblade in no universe needs to be a Devil May Cry game. So it's like I kinda get it. No, and I mean, it's like, you know, I think I think this is a great example, actually, of like, this is a studio that knows how to yeah. make things feel good, where it's like, the combat is incredibly simple, and a lot of the satisfaction of it comes from, like, just how yeah. tight the animations are. Like, it really, it does show that they have made three 
melee combat focused games prior to this, you know, that it's all been leading up. If you watch the uh, developer diaries, like the early ones on combat, you can see them playing with a significantly more complex version. There were there were things where you all know the game for honor. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like multiplayer sword combat game. There were similar blocking mechanics to that Mm. where you would be doing like directional blocks where you'd be holding it up and down and there was actually a thing and this is i i love that they showed this and that it is not in the game where they had some idea where almost like senua's different personalities or voices would have like different combat styles uh and i think i think they made a very good choice ultimately of being like let's not gamify it too much you know i think i think like the puzzles the combat sections could be shorter but i do think that the simplicity is ultimately a choice of being like we don't want people to have to get super good at this in order to like make it through yeah i would argue that i think the game might even be better if it was just boss fights or boss fights and no random enemies because like, if it was more walking sim, like you said you wish it was, Jacob, mm-hmm. of, like, let me absorb the the world and the story and all the sort of, like, cool special effects, and then lead me to fight some, like, Norse god in this really big elaborate boss fight. I think that would probably be a better game that would, because, again, I think the boss fights are the best combat encounters for how layered they are. And uh, yeah, I'm wondering now, like, yeah, maybe just take out all those other fodder enemies. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do, like, fighting the viking dudes like i think i think it's pretty fun to just mix up light and heavy attacks and especially after after the puzzles i'm grateful for some just kind of <laughs> right. like you know smooth brain button mashing if if you all will allow allow me uh us in aside a tangent mm-hmm. have you all seen the for honor documentary that netflix put out i didn't know that existed no <laughs> Yo, i know this flew under a lot of radars. It is one of the better video game documentaries. Um, as far as I know, it is not an official Ubisoft thing, like Wait, the what? like the Raising Kratos. Um, I don't think it's on Netflix anymore. It's on YouTube. I'm giving y'all a link right here. Um, there's some criticisms I've seen of it that it focuses too much on the um, higher ups on the development team, which is totally uh, fine. So wait, wait, it's not an official Ubisoft. No, production no, 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 but no. it they, they no. got yeah, to talk to the it. team yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah 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 100 i believe it is not an official ubisoft thing you know fact check me on because like, the they would have had to sign off on this it wasn't it wasn't like an in-house production yeah, oh okay yeah, i got you, yeah, okay, yeah. Gotcha. like okay. i i i don't know too much about the production i don't think i'm gonna say it doesn't seem like ubisoft has any editorial insight because this thing is remarkably candid into just how like bad this goes for the game's director or producer or one of them, like who I think is literally fired or like leaves the team. Like it is one of the better video game documentaries that is like criminally underseen. Um, It was directed by John Simone Chartier. Uh, It's, I don't think it's on Netflix anymore, but it's on YouTube. You can watch it for free. And it is like, I I haven't seen it in many years. Maybe if I revisit it, I wouldn't think it's as strong, but I remember watching it when it came out and being like, this is like, you know, at the time, almost as good as Double Fine Adventure, if not a little better for all the drama they show that DFA didn't show the Psych Odyssey does show, but like highly recommend. Oh my God. I've never That's played really that game. That documentary rules. Anyway, apologies. Just wanted to call that out. Hey, that's that's fine. 
Um, I, I think one of the, I think, I think this game's restraint is really cool in that, like, it kind of feels like you, you have an understanding of the game's world and then they will throw something really different and terrifying at you. Uh, and I am mainly thinking of, uh, one of the last scenes in this section, which is when you're about to cross the bridge and then there is a fucking giant, like a, a literal giant that is so scary looking that kind of lunges at you and pushes you off the bridge, which I also have to say in VR. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) So scary. Is that not Hella? It's Hella. Yeah. Okay, so that is the god of the underworld you're trying to right, right, talk right. to. Yeah. Who uh, is in the sequel's tra- gameplay trailer? Kind of like There's a similar me, looking... I don't know if it's her, but it's a similar a looking giant, entity. Yeah. yeah. Well, and at the end, Sinua looks at it and says, I know you. So I was like, what's going oh. on here? I was oh, excited well, to get to that part in this game. I remember they showed that in the original Hellblade, like yeah. one of their gameplay trailers, and that was one of the things where I was like, "Oh, that's cool!" So I was like actively excited to see it again here. <laughs> it's terrifying, yeah. Just like, just like, slaps you off this fucking bridge, breaks your sword, like terrifying. And, moment. and also, like the tension of like, because you know, Sinewa sort of like drops to her knees because she's so overwhelmed, and then the voice, like the sort of like demonic evil voice in her head, kind of like chastising her to get up and fight so it's like the thing of like you almost want to yell at her too like yes get up don't let that thing come at you (laughs) like fight it jacob what's it do in vr it's just it just feels like the thing about vr is just things feel more uh realistically sized you know and so it's like you're looking up at it and it feels you know 40 feet tall um one of the things that I want to uh, highlight from that uh, Leonardo da Vinci video that I thought was uh, really interesting and and kind of speaks to our discussion about the voices is that he says he mentions the thing in the game where the voices are like behind you you know look behind you they're they're there in combat and he says you know this is an interesting mechanical thing but also it is this really like worrying thing when you are dealing with with this like mental illness of like you don't want to sometimes the voices will say things that are helpful and that is almost scarier because you don't want to trust them you know and it's it's like you know he he talks about he's like okay if the voice says something and you do it and that helps you then the next time that the voice tells you to like self-harm because it will make you feel better you're like more inclined to trust it because the last time it was right. It it like you know helped you out, and and that was a perspective that I, I I just totally would would have never thought of, and I think is one of the reasons that him making that video and speaking from personal experiences is, is so interesting. But like the you know we do see uh, toward towards the end of this, Senua like like burns her face with with the broken hilt of her sword, which is again a really a really kind of difficult scene to watch or whatever, but I do think speaks to, you know, I, I there there is little in this game that I feel like is taking too much dramatic, uh, like, lenience with 
the mental health ideas that they're working with. Yeah, I, I, I really like that perspective from Leonardo. I don't think the game actually really does anything with that. Like, there was no point where the voices in combat, like, you know, I, 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 I don't think the voices serve much of an interesting point in this game other than being there, you know? Like, I liked them in combat just because they added some urgency because it was it would always yeah. make me jump when if I'm focused on someone and I just hear behind you and you're like oh my god yeah. and you're like I had no idea there was a dude there like they're they were genuinely helpful at points um, would it have been more interesting if maybe sometimes when they did that they were wrong like, no I, or... I guess the thing is like there's not really a point in the game where like to Leonardo's point I'm like I don't know if I should trust this voice or not like right. I don't know if this is going to help me or hurt me like it just because you're not making choices or anything it's kind of yeah you know and i think i think making choices would make this game worse i am glad that it is as linear as it is but it does speak to the choice or the the kind of the difficult aspect of video games of like look there's a door there i'm gonna open it even if all the voices are saying, go back, go back, don't open the door. Yeah, because it's like, it's, I know how video games work, and I'm right. going to open the door. I guess in the way that, like, we were talking about the seek and find puzzles in this game do mimic the, you know, some people's psychosis are always looking for patterns. And the way that that's, like, a direct mechanical relation to, you know, the source material here. Mm-hmm. I just think the voices never have, like, an implementation in this game that's that at least, like, mechanical narratively or mechanically interesting like sometimes it really just feels like i'm listening to mp3s over this game that are just all like playing at once like i just wish there was a little bit more to them and i don't know what the solution there is you know i don't have like a here's what you should have done with it i just like playing it i feel like the voices never really find the right footing in terms of the game other than they're just talking at all times which is cool but like there's not much going on with it beyond that i shouldn't say it's cool but you know what i mean yeah i think they do their job of like immersing me in in sanua's head of like this is what she has to hear 24 7 because they're they they pretty much never or rarely ever stop talking like completely so it's more like okay this is you know this is giving me sort of like a glimpse inside her life of like, cause sometimes the voices can be overwhelming when they get mm-hmm. too excited yeah. or too scared. And you're like, especially when you're trying to focus on puzzle solving and they're saying like all these different things, you're like, I'm trying to focus. And there are even times with Sanua, it's like, like her voice breaks through and she's like, I need to focus. Like I will, I she, will say yeah. the one time it hit mechanically for me was when I was uh, trying to type into YouTube uh, Hellblade walkthrough and the voices kept talking. I had to rip my headphones off because it was so annoying. I was like, Shut hey, up. see, it's annoying. <laughs> yeah, it's oh. one of the things like, is it meant to be, maybe not necessarily meant to be fun, but it yeah. does its job of like, this is what yeah. this person has to, this is what life yeah. is for them. I think by no means do I, am I saying this should be fun. In right, the right, game. right. I just think there's not like a narrative and mechanical cohesion with the voices for me then that they're makes... they're more story related but yeah. not enough like yeah that's kind of like the feel. most right and yeah. I, I agree with that like the most i got out of personally was just purely the immersion part of making me feel more like i i am senor but yeah outside of that yeah i agree with you blake it's like oh maybe there could have been more there i guess like tangible mechanic wise yeah. playing a lot of this makes me wonder like what they're gonna do with hellblade 2 because in the gameplay yeah. trailer like you do hear the voices also have you all watched the fucking behind the scenes video they released a couple months ago 
where they mm-hmm. were using drones to get like like they're using actual locations from Iceland as their levels. It's nuts. Go look it up on YouTube. And they're they're mapping them like by centimeter. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It it seems like it's going to be a much bigger game. Obviously, they're owned by Microsoft now, so Xbox will be publishing yeah. this one. She can carry blah, multiple heads now. But it that's right. <laughs> just in a, in a sack I, of money and use them for different attacks. <laughs> I just it makes me wonder like it, what they might do with the voices here in a bigger, more ambitious game. Yeah, you know, and even though I I have finished this game, I don't really remember the ending, uh, but I do remember when Hellblade 2 was announced being like, huh, you know, like, what, what's, what's that going to be? And as it is an ongoing question of like, will they, will they have the puzzles back? Will they do the things? Uh, I will say it is uh, really uh, funny to watch the recording sessions of, uh, of the voices, because not only do they have a mic that looks like ears like they have literally attached like plastic ears to a microphone to simulate like how it bounces in hey but i recognize those microphones those are the ones that you they use in asmr videos <laughs> those i recognize that immediately. i mean those, I those voices are like very you're your expert I, I don't listen to asmr but you know i'm just a, a child of the internet enough to recognize freaky shit like that. i mean i call it freaky i do listen know. to asmr and i did notice that more because i didn't listen to asmr at the time this game came out but this time you're like there's got to be an asmr hellblade video or it's just the voice oh there are yeah. if you search hellblade like before i had been doing all my searches for it if you just start typing in hellblade like the first thing is asmr video i'm like who would want that <laughs> i was like that sounds is like is that this sounds kind of weird and also like is that disrespectful i don't know like someone's like i'm turning your psychosis voices into my sleepy time I've, i mean it's always it's always been i've never understood how horny or not asmr is and so it's a it's a tough question i mean it's not horny but it, it, I mean, it can be it horny. can be it can it's be. not <laughs> it, it's not inherently horny <laughs> but uh what what i was going to say is they um the the most kind of omnipresent uh voices which are these kind of like you know three women who are just kind of whispering back and forth is like this experimental theater troupe that uh that like one of the directors from ninja theory knew and if you watch them it's just these three women who are like running in circles around the ear-shaped microphone and talking like it's this really kind of theatrical performance i think i think it's mark cerny the musical (laughs) yeah (laughs) hellblade 2 they're gonna measure the shape of your ear (laughs) <laughs> the game uses bineural audio, we should say. So yes. it's like, I, I guess with the right headphones, it can really be like this 3D soundscape of voices. I've remembered, though, there being, like, there are male voices that talk to you, but they're more like, uh, they're more like specific story moments, you know? Yeah. I've remembered there being like five voices that always talk to you. I don't know if two more show up later and join the women as just like the chorus always in your ear, but I specifically remember playing that game and there being like two men that would also talk to you. And I wonder if I'm just conflating that two male voices that are like more story specific. Yeah, the only male voices are like, I mean, there's Druid who is like, was an actual person and it's just her her reliving memories of what things that he told her. And then there's the... I guess the only, like, internal male voice is the, like, really harsh, scary voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of, like, I guess the darkest part of her personality or her condition. Yeah, and I guess there's there's also... Is the the lore one just 
Druid, Drew, or Druth. Druth. Yeah, like yeah, the yeah. other guy voice. Yeah, it, the, he's one, the, the one, one when you like focus on the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's Druth. Um, yeah. Well, I think overall with the voices and everything in this game, like, did you guys ever, or do you guys still believe that the entire game is in Sanua's head, more or less? Or if there uh, yeah. is supernatural yeah. things going on. Because I've always... I used to go back and forth about that for a long time when the game first launched. And then eventually I kind of settled on like, well, maybe it can be... Why can't it be both? Maybe <laughs> there are actual freaky things going on. Yeah, I don't think it's... I mean, I think she's like... I think she's moving through physical space. You know, mm-hmm. like, I don't I don't think she's like in a coma. But I, no, no, but no, I do not think like that. that yeah. Yeah, but I do think yeah. that, like, her seeing Hela is, mm-hmm. you know, a, a vision of some sort. But I also, yeah. I like that it's, I, I like that it's left up to question. And, you know, like, the the incredible setting of that, like, giant bird thing made out of wood that you're, like, walking to through most of the game is, like, is that real? Because if that's real, mm-hmm. like, why aren't, why can't gods be real? Like, that's as wild looking as as any of the, like, supernatural shit she's seeing. Which I think is a reference to the giant bird that watches over Helheim, which you'll remember yeah. from the God of War games. Yeah, the and thing hey, in God of War 2018 is that big bird in the distance. And God of, God of War 2 also has that big bird uh, protecting the fates that oh, you, like, right. fly up to. Yeah. God of War Ragnarok, good game, good game. You ready to wrap it up, Jacob? Yeah, I think. I mean, we we got another half of this game to play. Uh, we'll we'll decide if it gets gets better or worse the same. Um, Marcus, since uh, you will not be on the second um, one, thank you so much for coming on. I really really appreciated uh, your insight. I, is there anything? I mean, I guess what what do you think about Hellblade? Two, in terms of kind of like with with your thoughts on this game do you think you know did hellblade just nail it do you want the sequel to be kind of similar different you know like with the future of this franchise and i'm saying that in quotes you know like what what do you think they should be doing with it it's so weird because hellblade one it, it, it they it's such a specific kind of thing that they were going for to where even its faults almost feel intentional. And it's a game that I always told people were like, I have some problems with the game, but it's a game I'm ultimately, like, I'm glad I played it and I'm glad it exists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because it takes some wild swings. Uh, in that sense, with the sequel, it's it's weird where I'm excited just from like a, oh, Ninja Theory, and oh, I like that first game enough where I kind of want to see what they make. I don't know what you do. or And in a way, that's what makes Hellblade 2 so exciting. So it's like, I don't think, I don't think they do do the same sort of structure. I, it's almost a part of me of like maybe it'll be a little bit more traditional video gamey. Is that good? I don't know, but I I feel like because all the trailers have been so dark, and in almost a way that maybe it's just me in my mind suggests maybe more action. Mm, or sure. That yeah, I'm but, I mean, but we ex- know what the trailers for this one looked like, so they could be yeah. pulling a similar move. Yeah, I mean, maybe it also be, maybe in response to this game, some people have been like, we wanted more action, like, I, you know, coming under your side, like, okay, we'll give you more action, like, I don't know, there's a part of me that feels like they're going to acquiesce on that a bit, uh, I don't know, it's, that game is such an anomaly for so many reasons, like, I don't think Hellblade needs a sequel, 
But yeah. I don't think I would. I'm not saying no to one if they decide to do it. If they have a story to tell. <laughs> we are Ninja Theory fans, so I am, like, excited to see what they're doing. I've gone back and rewatched the three trailers they've released mm-hmm. for Hellblade 2. And, well, the third one is, bit, like, ten, 10 seconds long, a tech demo, basically. Uh, I'm so excited. Y'all should go back and rewatch those, because they are fucking oh, yeah, wild. The, God, it's been, when was the last time they showed that game? It was like almost two years ago. Uh, I mean, it was, you know, recently they had just like a meta human thing where they were like, here's a face. It looks good. And so they're like, it still is being made. But yeah, they haven't like a proper trailer since that like game uh, game awards one years ago. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm pumped for it. I I'm prepared to be surprised. I think that game, I think even though I think it's going to be maybe closer to a quote-unquote regular action game i also think the swings that they do take are going to be wilder than the first game that's and that's just a gut feeling yeah um marcus is there is there anything else that you want to uh plug direct people towards i mean we talked about that dmc video gameology episode but like in general where can we find you uh well you know i work at game informer with with uh blake here so check us out GameInformer.com, all our stuff. Uh, got a super replay I'm involved with right now on our YouTube, playing Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts with Kyle Hilliard. Kind of can't imagine why you picked that game. What what could be the connection? Well, you know, it's for the people. It's like Tears of the Kingdom at home. You know, it's like we don't need, we don't need Zelda. We got it right here. Uh, I've never played that game, so hearing the comparison between the two games, I kind of want to see for myself. Uh, so it's been a good time. The game holds up, turns out. Uh, so check that out on our YouTube channel and on our website. And yeah, you can follow me on Twitter personally at MarcusStewart7. Hell yeah. Um, well, until next Blade, until next Blade uh, I'm Jacob. I've been talking to Blake Hester and Marcus Stewart. Uh, we're going to play the rest of Hellblade next episode. So get ready. Uh, Blake, uh, how, how should we go out on this one? Uh, Hellblaze it. Jesus Christ. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>